We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven. I am the host, as always. Joining me are my guys, Tyler and Alex. Alex, we'll start with you, man. I'm sure you have a, uh, a take on the Tom Brady, Giselle Bunchen drama that's happening today. Uh, but uh, how are you doing tonight, man? Uh, I, I don't have many takes. I, you know, after Nick Foles won the Super Bowl, I, I don't want to take anything from that man anymore. He's going through a hard time, it seems like. So, and, you know, after 18 Botoxes in the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, he, he could use the break. So, uh, but yeah. I'm doing okay. Well, that's good to hear, my man. Uh, the one picture from a few weeks ago from his press conference where his cheeks were just like so slanted in. I'm like, who is this man? Um, but uh, yeah, so we'll see what happens there, if anything. Uh, Tyler's here as well, man. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight? Doing great. I already kicked off the show before the show with a solid <laughs> laugh that you will not get to see people watching live. But um, yeah, it was good. Feel good. <laughs> One of the funniest moments I've uh, ever experienced on the podcast, for sure. It's a shame we were not recording, but uh, you know that'll be remaining. Or, or, or lucky for Tyler that we were. <laughs> <laughs> probably the probably the latter one there. Um, so obviously we're here to preview the Chargers uh, matchup with the Cleveland Browns this week. Uh, as always, we're going to dive back into, you know, the offseason that the Browns have had have had. And obviously we are, uh, you know, four weeks into the season. So we'll put a little bit of a, you know, current status on our, our deep dive into the Cleveland Browns. And we'll have our victory formation, key matchups, bold predictions, all of that good stuff. So 
Uh, feels like better vibes around the fan base coming off a win against the Houston Texans. And, you know, Tyler and I talked about this uh, potentially being a momentum builder for the team. So hopefully they're able to do that. Um, before we get started here, not a ton of injury updates for the first time in like forever. Um, sounds like Donald Parham should play this week, which I think is is a bigger deal than people will make out, especially nationally. Um, Keenan Allen is still considered day-to-day uh, per Brandon Staley yesterday. Um, so we'll have to see kind of what happens there. I still feel like uh, Keenan would probably be like a 50-50 chance of playing this week. Um, but obviously that depends how he progresses uh, throughout the week. So uh, Sebastian Joseph Day has an owie on his finger. And that was really the only thing. Sounds like Josh Palmer is fine as well. So uh, really the the only thing to keep an eye on this week is Keenan Allen's status. Yeah, like you said, nationally, does, this, does anyone know who Donald Parham is? Not really. <laughs> I don't even think he's picked up in our fantasy league full of Chargers fans. Um, so nationally, I don't know if people know him, but the Browns know him after that touchdown he scored last year. And him being back is huge for this team. Is it Keenan Allen? No. But Justin Herbert, particularly with he's you know, still not quite 100%, needs some layups. A 6'9 tight end is a layup for sure. <laughs> so getting him back, both as a receiver and a blocker, is huge. Yeah, I mean, getting him back even just as a red zone threat to be able to scheme a couple of those open, even if it's on limited snaps in his first game back, um, you know, compared to what he'll ramp up to later in the season, I think would be great for this team, um, especially considering the blocking that they've gotten out of the other tight ends to this point, uh, kind of like Tyler said. And uh, Keenan, I would probably say is a little under 50-50 at this point, just considering okay. he re-aggravated that, you know, uh, late last week. And maybe he's more of a we'll see if he plays in the Denver Monday night game uh, type of situation, considering he gets a little bit that extra day there. So um, uh, to me, I don't see him playing in this game, but obviously it's Keenan Allen. So maybe they hold him out of these practices and he could go Sunday, but I probably would bet against it. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate because we went from like, oh, he you know, he'd play if this game were happening on Sunday. And then uh, obviously he had. He didn't even get to play against the Jaguars and then uh, has a setback. So, you know, this unfortunately is is just kind of the nature of hamstring issues for players over 30, which is something uh, Jameson has talked about with uh, Tyler on the past few Saturdays. So um, I almost want them to just give him another week and let it be 100% healed and then get him back next week um, against the Broncos for Monday Night Football. So we'll see. I mean, obviously you want to avoid as much rust as possible, but um, getting Keenan back is huge. And I think, you know, this is something that I've talked about a lot, not just in the passing game, but they have really missed Parham and Keenan in the run game. Cause those are two of their best perimeter blockers as well. So, um, you know, they did a lot of split zone looks and a lot of wham looks, which is <laughs> heavy on the tight end and heavy, uh, on the tight end motion. And so getting Donald Parham involved, uh, is, you know, crucial for the run game, which did take a step forward this week. Uh, but getting Parham back will should really be able to be a big boost again. Yeah, and even if Keenan Allen is back this week, if he's active, yay, we can rejoice. It's limited snaps. Now, no one will tell Keenan Allen he can't stay on the field, and if he's vibing, feeling good, maybe he'll go out there longer than expected, but all but likely he's on a pitch count, even if he is active. So we really won't see him back in any fuller capacity until next week. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did play him, but then use him as kind of a decoy a little bit like they did in the Raiders game uh, on Thursday Night Football a couple of years ago. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I thought that was probably uh, potentially a possibility last week um, for the, the Texans game, too. So we'll see what happens there. Um, all right, let's uh, dive into this matchup with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, as always, if you are watching this, like the video, subscribe. If you're listening, leave a rating review. And uh, here we go. We'll get started. So on the screen here, obviously, for our audio audience, we have uh, a graphic done by Tyler here with the Cleveland Browns. We'll dive into uh, the coaching staff, free agency, and draft class. Uh, bonus points to whoever in the live chat right now can guess the meaning behind this specific graphic that Tyler has uh, set up tonight. So uh, if you have a guess, feel free to put it in the chat. Yeah. I, um, the theme is fairy tales. If you can go and figure out what I mean from there after that, then, uh, yeah, good for you. We can be friends. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get started. Oh, shit. <laughs> the first person. Wow. 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 Figured it out. Unbelievable. Wow. Butters right away. Right away. I, I, I think, I, I, I think we should like send him a jersey or something. Just yeah, how like do we supercast to fans? How do we do that? <laughs> that was impressive. Yeah, yeah. Well I done. didn't want to well be, uh, you know, too obvious with it, but uh, yes, that is why I picked fairy tales as the uh, the theme today. So hopefully, Browns fans find this and have no idea what we're talking about midstream. <laughs> but uh, now you know. All right. Well, uh, Tyler, let's uh, get started with the coaching staff for the uh, Cleveland Browns. Not a lot of uh, turnover in this group, but uh, obviously yeah, as far it. as the coaching staff goes, the core four that we focus on, it's the same guys. I believe the special teams coach was there in 2019. Otherwise, um, head coach Devin, Kevin Stefanski, coordinator or offensive coordinator Alex Van Pelt, offensive coordinator Alex Van Pelt. Uh, yeah. Defensive coordinator Joe Woods. Uh, they've all been there since 2021. Stefanski joined this group. You know, I think the analytics guys like him. You know, I believe going into the game last year it was Ooh Staley going for it on fourth down versus Stefanski on fourth down, and that popped up in that game. Analytics people like him, but they've never really put it together um, as a team, despite the fact that they were really, really talented last year and did have some talent this year. It was always something, whether it was injuries, whether it was the quarterback. So they had to trade for another quarterback, obviously, and we'll talk about that in a bit. Couldn't really put it together, but they've always had one very good thing, um, at least the last couple of years, and that's a very good rushing offense. Mm -hmm. They are currently first in rushing EPA per play. If you want to put that on Stefanski or Van Pelt or just the offensive line or Nick Chubb, whatever, somehow they have just a fantastic rushing attack. And unfortunately, we saw that against the Chargers last year. Their rush EPA per play is first in the league, obviously. And it's more than, I think it's about double the second place team for rush EPA per play. If you put their rush EPA per play into a dropback EPA per play, just compared to the dropback EPA per plays, it would be seventh, which should not happen <laughs> for a ridiculous. rushing attack to be seventh Again, you know, compared to dropback EPA per play, it's insane how good it is. Like their rush EPA per play is better than the Chargers' dropback EPA per play right now. It's and it's kind of scheme proof, foolproof. They have a great rotation. I believe it's it's either Ford or Johnson, but one of those guys is just sitting there, not even you know involved. And that would be an RB two on this team, arguably for for the Browns. They just have everything going so well there. Um, but people just really couldn't put it together. They just could never really put it together. I feel like the defense has these great pieces 
and they can never really put it together. Going against the Chargers last year, although I believe Clowney was out and then one more guy, they have so much talent. But they, I just never feel like the Browns have been a true shutdown defense, despite the fact that they have Miles Garrett and good corners and you know Jeremiah Owusu-Koromo and all these guys. There's tons of good pieces, but they can never really just put it together. So uh, right now, you know, great rushing attack. Their special teams DVOA is solid. And they're going to be a difficult team. I think it's overall a pretty well-coached team. Um, and there's a reason that they've, you know, decided to go for Deshaun Watson because they think they can win it all with this coaching staff. And they could because they're a dangerous team. Yeah, I think offensively you, you love this coaching staff. And obviously Bill Callahan, the offensive line coach here, um, you know, was the higher of the the cycle, if you will, because Bill Callahan to me is is the best offensive line coach, best run game coordinator in the league. And uh, Mitchell Schwartz has talked about this, you know, in the in the past, you know, they really leaned into the, you know, outside zone looks from Kevin Stefanski's background, because that's what Stefanski, Stefanski was familiar with. And then this year, they've really done a lot of everything. They're doing a lot of gap and power schemes. I mean, they have you know, Wyatt Teller and Joel Batonio, and now they have Ethan Pochich, who's their center, who used to be with uh, Seattle for a really long time. So their interior trio is about as good as it gets in the NFL. You know, you're talking potentially about, you know, two of the best three guards in the NFL, depending on how you feel about certain people. So um, their rushing attack, man, is, is fantastic. So obviously that's, you know, something that we're going to talk about a lot today. In terms of the defense, I... I almost get like an Arizona Cardinals vibe. Like, I don't know what they are on defense besides like, hey, Miles, go be special and go be the best player on the in the plan on the planet on defense. And like, that's that's their identity, right? Is like Miles Garrett, it can just wreck games. Um, but I've never really like felt like they have an identity. I've never felt like they are super well coached on defense, despite Joe Woods having like a really great reputation. So um you know we'll see what happens ultimately with the with the coaching staff but if they continue at their current pace on defense like I, I i can't see a world where joe woods keeps this job because they really struggled last year and they really struggled to end 2020 so uh this is potentially three years in a row with joe woods potentially struggling on defense you have everything you could possibly want in the modern nfl on offense outside of like maybe a, a, a true number two receiver um so their offense is really clicking right now. Their defense, not so much. Yeah, um, I, I don't know what to make much of the Browns defense either because in theory, it's like you have some of these guys like Garrett and Clowney and you have you know Denzel Ward. Uh, they went out and have signed guys and been aggressive in defense and free agency before. So it's like in theory, they should be a little bit better than they are. Um, but like Steven said, I think the defensive identity has been an issue. Um, uh, Stefanski is kind of a weird one because I feel like he's been in a sort of staley kind of spotlight this season where every decision he's kind of made, um, you know, being the aggressive fourth down, you know, go for it, uh, you know, aggressive play call type guy has like come under fire even against the Cardinals last week. He, he goes into the half with three timeouts left um, and, you know, caught a lot of flack for that and, and like a generally more conservative um, Stefanski game to what we saw in the past. So curious to see um what he brings to the table this week but i mean they they make no bones about what their offense is it is we are going to throw nick chubb and kareem hunt at you and continuously just beat you play after play uh and then you know we'll see if you survive <laughs> long enough i mean that's what the game was uh last year uh against the chargers even though that game kind of got crazy and it turned into the shootout that it was 
uh, you know, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt had 222 combined yards last year, right? Uh, in that, uh, you know, yeah. game. So, I mean, I, I think that they have a very straightforward game plan, especially with Jacoby Brissett uh, being the guy right now as opposed to Deshaun Watson. So I think they're just going to do what they do on offense and it's up to the Chargers to stop them, which is a little bit concerning for a team that, you know, has given up big plays and big yardage in, in consecutive weeks here to James Robinson and then Damian Pierce, obviously, against the Texans last week. Yeah, I mean, this uh, rushing attack is is truly like one of the only game script proof rushing attacks in the NFL like they could be down 21 and they will not care. Like they will continue to run the ball because they know it's like where their bread is buttered. That's their best offense is, you know, being able to uh, use Nick Chubb and use Kareem Hunt at the highest level. Like, like Tyler was saying, it's wild to me. They have Dearness Johnson as like their third running back. He's barely played. He's got like 10 snaps on the year. Jerome Ford, who they drafted in the fifth round, Alex's guy, who we we're going to talk about in a little bit here, zero snaps on offense. And how many teams, including the Chargers, would kill for a guy like Dearness Johnson to be there running back two? And in Cleveland, he just he can't even see the field. Jerome Ford hasn't played anything yet. No, zero snaps from Jerome Ford. Well, huh. Same, same as Isaiah Spiller. Spiller. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess we're still at a null on that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get to the free agency pickups and uh, departures from the Browns this year. Uh, and this is, uh, of course, Alex's role today. Uh, yeah, there's a pretty big addition. Uh, that, that is definitely not controversial, but we don't have to worry about him this game, I guess. Um, so yeah, I mean, they pick up Jacoby Brissett. They picked up Jacoby after they they traded for Deshaun, right? It was like the week after I think that they signed him. Um, and so I mean, they knew what clearly was coming with Deshaun. They go get an established veteran, uh, who's you know been around the league and, and played in Indianapolis, played in Miami, uh, you know, wherever he's had to as the backup. And I think Jacoby Brissett is pretty solid. Um, I, he's kind of in that like Teddy Bridgewater range of just like a high tier backup you can trust. Um, and you know, for a team that's dealing with what the Browns are dealing with with Watson, that's about all you can ask for. And he can lean on clearly the best rushing attack in the league, right? So you're not asking Jacoby Brissett to do too much, uh, which I, I think makes a lot of sense. Uh, losses, <laughs> Baker Mayfield. Uh, who's been having the time of his life in Carolina? So <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think they're regretting that one too much. Um, did lose J.C. Treader on the offensive line, and <laughs> the respect of half the family. <laughs> I, I just saw that one. Um, but uh, then they pretty much kind of make a swap here with wide uh, with Jarvis Landry, and they make the trade for Amari Cooper, who's not on the on the free agency acquisitions. But I mean, that's. To me, uh, outside of Deshaun Watson, their biggest acquisition to get a true bona fide wide receiver one um, who has played some pretty good ball for them to this point. His home and road splits are still so funny because it's just like he'll have like 100 yards in Cleveland and then the next week he'll have like <laughs> two catches for 20 yards, um, which is kind of what it was in Dallas as well. Uh, so, yeah, Amari Cooper clearly is going to be a bit of a problem, I think, for the Chargers this week, even though the primary focus will be on Chubb and Hunt, uh, just because JC Jackson has not looked 100%, and this isn't really a game where you can throw Asante Samuel Jr. on Amari Cooper, I would think. Um, so I'll be curious to see how the Chargers do decide to handle uh, Amari Cooper. We'll talk about it in a bit. I don't want to spoil it. 
<laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So obviously, Jacoby Brissett has been, you know, pretty good for them uh, so far this year. Obviously, better than Baker Mayfield, who gets to play the San Francisco 49ers defense uh, this week, which is going to be <laughs> he plays hilarious. He plays, he plays the Bucks, the Niners, and the Rams like the next three weeks. <laughs> oh my it's God. just brutal. Oh, my God. Matt Rule's going to, you know, retire at halftime or something. This is, that's just, that's so <laughs> Devontae sad. Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, the Amari Cooper thing too, like, I still am in shock that the Cowboys just gave him away for like a fifth round pick or whatever it was. Because he's, I mean, he's, I don't think he's like a bona fide, like number one, like we're going to give him 10 targets mm-hmm. a game, but he's probably a very high end number two. And that's still, I'm like, in today's currency where wide receivers are going for, you know, four first round picks or whatever it was from Tyree kill and all that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, getting Amari Cooper for a fifth round pick is a, is a no brainer. So um, good acquisition there for sure. Yeah. They've really kept it very steady. Like I think it was in the previous graphic, they were 15th in drop back EPA for play. That's pretty solid. Like that's all you can really yeah. ask for um, from this offense, with Jacoby Brissett, and he's kept, I don't have either of these guys in fantasy, but like Amari Cooper, David Njoku, those guys are still fantasy relevant, which I assume means that the offense is somewhat relevant still. So good for them. It's wor- it's, it's working-ish so far. Yeah, ish, I think is the right word for a passing attack led by Jacoby Brissett. So, um, all right, we'll get to the draft conversation here. Again, we mentioned a little bit of a Jerome Ford here, um, but a, a decent draft, definitely a step dra- down from what we've been talking about for the last few weeks. Um, you know, with the Chiefs and the Texans and the Jaguars, obviously the uh, Browns did not have a first or a second round pick because of the uh, trade for he who shall not be named on this show. Um, you know, you get uh, obviously Martin Emerson, who we really liked in the draft. He is their third cornerback. Um, he'll come in essentially in nickel packages and he's their outside corner. And then they'll move actually Greg Newsom into the slot in nickel packages so that's honestly kind of an exciting wrinkle as somebody who really likes greg newsom but um liked martin emerson a lot coming out of college somebody that i thought could be a you know physical press man corner at some point you know you didn't do that a whole lot at mississippi state but has the traits and he's actually got their highest coverage grade of the three cornerbacks on pro football focus has forced the most incompletions most pat most pass breakups and has the lowest passer rating when targeted of the three guys. So uh, Martin Emerson has been uh, off to a good start for sure. Um, Alex Wright, the edge rusher from UAB, um, drafted to be their edge three, has been their edge one <laughs> the last few weeks because <laughs> J.D. Davian Clowney and um, Miles Garrett, of course, has uh, you know been injured. Miles dealing with the car accident. Um, Alex Wright has a pass rush win rate of 5% right now on the season. Uh, he has not hit a quarterback all year uh, mm. yet. So he's probably going to just get, you know, absolutely swallowed by Jamari Sawyer this week. Um, David Bell, the next pick in round three. So they had three uh, third round picks. He's their wide receiver three. They're not throwing the ball a whole lot. So my, so David Bell mm-hmm. only has been targeted five times this year. Uh, and he's got four catches for 47 yards. So he's playing, he's contributing, but. Uh, obviously not making a, a ton of impact because just the style is that's not who they are. They're not, you know, an 11 personnel kind of team. Um, Perry on Winfrey is next, next the defensive lineman from Oklahoma. Uh, somebody that I thought should have gone a lot higher than this. Um, again, not playing a ton there, 
Um, he's mostly kind of like their sub package pass rusher playing essentially the role that Jerry Tillery does for the chargers. Um, only has four pressures, zero sacks, zero quarterback hits as well. So uh, I think he missed week two, but with an injury, um, but yeah, not a ton of impact, but he is playing. Um, Cade York, probably their second best draft pick behind Martin Emerson. Um, he's been, uh, really, really solid for them. He has not missed a field goal yet. He's eight for eight on the year, uh, including two for two from 50 plus. So, uh, he's been really solid. He has missed two extra points though. So that could be something to keep an eye on in this one. I mentioned Jerome Ford, the Cincinnati running back, Alex's guy, Alex loved him, has not seen the field at all. Uh, because the running back room ahead of him is just uh, fantastic. So that's the situation. Michael Woods, right receiver from Oklahoma, who I literally did not know the name of him until today, is not on the roster. Um, Isaiah Thomas, the defensive end from Oklahoma, again, big Sooners fans, I guess, here in, in Cleveland. Um, he is a, actually an, another edge rusher. He plays edge for them behind Isaac Rochelle. So he couldn't beat out Isaac Rochelle. So that's where he's at. Uh, and then Dawson Deaton, their offensive lineman from Texas Tech, also not on the roster. So um, decent draft overall. I mean, you're getting Martin Emerson, a legit corner, a kicker, and I don't know what else the rest of this class is. So um, <laughs> kind of you know makes me feel better about the Chargers draft class, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, I mean, I drafted Zion in the first round for the Chargers, and I took Martin Emerson in the third round in our final mock. I really liked him. I'm happy to hear that he's doing, you know, pretty solid so far. Didn't expect him to be a number one by any means immediately, but you know, things sound good. Alex Wright, that seems very early. I think Gavino Borkas from Chargers Wire and I were talking about him as like a fourth, fifth round pick. I'm yeah. not that the third round's too far from that, but yeah, it seems a bit early for him. And, and this guy, he was more, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, a powerful sort of run defender that really couldn't rush the passer. So not a surprise to hear he can't do much so far. And then David Bell, it's kind of a wait and see. Um, yeah, I don't think any of us are really super high on him, particularly with that very subpar, let's say, athletic testing. Um, and just the film we weren't like super in love with. Uh, but we'll see what happens when he gets to Sean Watson. Uh, but yeah, Jerome Ford, I would love to see him get some touches. And if not, um, I'll take him. <laughs> yeah. The wide receiver situation to me is, is so weird for them as a team because... Um, Outside of Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones, who is clearly wide receiver one and wide receiver two, like they just have kind of a bunch of guys that they're like trying out. Obviously drafted David Bell this draft and Anthony Schwartz, um, you know, previously back in 2021. They drafted Demetric Felton, you know, who's supposed to be sort of their like gadget guy as well, and then have Michael Woods in the fold. So, I, I mean... I don't really know like what they're doing here with the wide receivers past uh, Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, that's kind of also a wait and see thing, I guess, for when Deshaun Watson gets back as well to see kind of which weapons will will pop when he comes back. But um, Anthony Schwartz has zero yards on the year, which is just very surprising to me how invisible like he's huh. kind of looked. And then David Bell, not much more active than uh, Schwartz has been either. So just a weird combination of kind of what they've drafted. And they go, oh, Anthony Schwartz, let's get the fastest guy we can find. And then David Bell, let's get the slowest guy we can find. <laughs> like, all right, there's diversity. Yeah, um, at least they change it up. They yeah. change it up. Um, but yeah, just overall, 
weird wide receiver room and the the draft class here doesn't like make me feel any better about it uh obviously i love jerome ford but not going to get too much time on the field if at all considering uh chubb and hunt obviously being there and you know durinus johnson and pretty much everyone in cleveland uh so uh, you know that's kind of a punt down the road pick and and i is this kareem hunt's last year on his contract I would imagine. Yes. Yeah. So, so if the Browns are, are kind of in a bad spot, I would yeah. imagine that yeah. Kareem Hunt is kind of yeah. a trade piece, you know, I, I, in the next know, month or I, so. I would think that Kareem Hunt and probably Duranis Johnson are both gone next year. So then that's probably going to be Jerome Ford as their RB2 or RB3, however they want to legislate that out kind of season. Uh, Kate York, cool. You drafted a kicker. Um, awesome. And <laughs> that's. Kind of all my thoughts on their draft class. I mean, like, yeah, obviously when you're not having a first and a second round pick kind of makes it hard to like really find a lot of instant impact guys. And I think they've done a so-so job of it uh, to this point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, to Tyler's point about Alex Wright, like I remember putting in my notes, like this is a poor man's project version of Greg Rousseau and you know just really long can shed blockers pretty well in the run game but just like zero pass rush at this point um you know i had like a fifth round grade on him thought that he'd be you know like a decent dart throw later on um and they drafted him in the third round and he's starting for them so um we'll see what happens this week i i my understanding is that miles uh miles garrett should miss this week um with the car accident issue um they're not going to rule him out probably until later in the week um, same situation, I think, with uh, Jadavian Clowney. So um, if Clowney and Miles Garrett miss, you'll see a lot of Alex Wright and you'll see a lot of Isaac Rochelle uh, and Isaiah Thomas as well. So um, could potentially be a, a big feather in the cap of the offense uh, without playing uh, Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney. Yeah, I'll take it. That sounds pretty good. I can't wait to see Martin Emerson battle with uh, some of these Chargers wide receivers. I feel like that physicality could be pretty fun to watch. Yeah, I think uh, Denzel Ward shadows. So if Keenan doesn't play, I would expect Denzel Ward on uh, Mike Williams quite a lot. So we'd see, obviously, Martin Emerson on Josh Palmer, you know, <laughs> Jason Moore or whoever the heck is on the outside, uh, which we'll get to, I'm, I'm sure, later on. Um, all right, guys, any other thoughts here on the Browns before we move on to the Charger side of things? Not particularly. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
All right, uh, we are going to get now to our uh, victory formation segment. Of course, this is the segment that we talk about every single week with the things that have to happen in order for the Chargers to come out on top on Sunday. Um, Alex, we'll start with you on this one. Uh, what's your biggest key to victory for the Chargers this week? Uh, survive the run game. <laughs> like, <laughs> I enough. honestly... That's a good way like, to put that. Uh, the the Chargers run defense against Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt feels like that meme where like the Cheetos in the door and like the FBI agents are about to break it down. <laughs> and that's how it felt in the game last year. Uh, obviously that 47 to 42, you know, shootout. Um, they gave up uh, obviously a couple big plays to Nick Chubb uh, and a couple, a couple big plays that resulted as a result of this year and early missed tackles, uh, which is probably something that is a, uh, you know, one of Tyler's, it was one of Tyler's keys last week, uh, and and that didn't go so well. So I would say that, yeah, just, you know, Stephen posted it today. The Browns have 25 explosive run plays to this point in the season through four weeks. Um, like, it, it's kind of just really that, for me, the defensive line, relatively speaking, has been fine defending the run for the Chargers but they just need to get more out of their linebackers and their secondary as far as just coming up and making those stops at the second or third level. They cannot afford to have the Nick Chubb game, you know, at least those big, you know, 50 yard backbreaking touchdown runs. They cannot have any of those. Um, and I just don't think they can afford the momentum to swing like that, considering mostly just the depth uh, on defense right now, obviously having a lot of key contributors um, out, yeah, a lot of key contributors outside uh, on the offensive side of the ball out as well. So anytime you have a chance to get off the field and you just have that backbreaking touchdown or that backbreaking 40 yard gain, like I just think it would affect this team in, in such a negative way. And obviously with Justin Herbert and their offense, they can answer back. But I just I don't think that's a battle you want to get in, especially when you don't necessarily have to with a team that's going to be having Jacoby Brissett as the quarterback, as opposed to um, even last year's Baker Mayfield, who is, you know, still going to take his shots down the field or, you know, obviously the potential that they could have played Deshaun Watson in this game. So um, for me, it's just got to be, you got to take the hits and anytime you have a chance to bring him down within those first and second levels, you just can't miss. Otherwise it's going to be a touchdown immediately on that play. Yeah, you know, to your point, we we I feel like I'm beating a dead horse at this point, but the defensive front is is a really good unit. You know, I mean, they're definitely not an elite run stopping unit by any means, but uh, you know, on Football Outsiders, they they rank 12th in you know stuffed percentage in terms of the defensive line making a play at the line of scrimmage. I mean, in run defense is 18th in overall run defense DVOA. So. You've got Austin Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day each in the top 15 in among defensive tackles in total run stops and run stops run stop percentage. So the the defensive line is doing their jobs at a very high level. I think that's definitely an upgrade from last year. It's just you're getting a lot of over pursuit from the linebackers, which is you know it's an area where they miss Kaiser White in my opinion. Um, and then you're getting poor angles from Bryce Callahan and Asir Adderley and. You know, Derwin James, is because he's in the box, he kind of is the focal point of that second-level blocking a lot. We saw this past week with Houston. Their fullback essentially was like, hey, go block Derwin James. Like, don't block anybody else except for Derwin James. And, you know, Derwin will win some of those reps for sure. 
Um, but you know, the fullback definitely got the better of him on a few times this past season. So if Derwin's kind of the focal point of the run game for the Browns, for everybody else, somebody else in the secondary has to come up and make these plays, man. And we've seen Nas Callahan, Alohi Gilman all take very poor angles. Um, missed tackles has been a problem for all of them. It was last year, uh, in this specific game. So, um, I feel okay about where this defensive line is at, like rewatching this game from last year back earlier in the summer, like Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller and JC Trader just kicked the shit out of Christian Covington, Jerry Tillery and Linval Joseph, man. It was not pretty. So I feel better about where the Chargers defensive line is at, but you, you have, you know, linebackers making poor decisions, secondary members taking poor decisions and against the Browns, like that's going to cost you a huge day from Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Yeah. The problem is that they can just keep doing it. They can just keep running. And if you yeah. block Derwin James, congratulations. Like most of these guys, at the second level are poor tacklers or just aren't the biggest guys. And they just, it's not a tackling secondary outside of Derwin James. who's just a freak. They really just, that's not their thing. They're there to cover. So you can't let the Browns, like Alex said, tackle them within two to three yards, four yards, whatever. Um, just do the best you can to get them on third down because they'll keep running it if they can. And Jacoby Brissett has one turnover-worthy play in each game, so four over the last four games. So he's not going to give the ball away either. So if you want to beat this offense, or at least hold this offense, you got to make those tackles because you can't give them... Like, like Houston did run very well, but Cleveland can do it better, and they can keep yeah. doing it. And if that's all they want to do, they could do it, and the quarterback's not turning the ball over. So it's going to be very, very difficult to, tough, just to stop this offense and... I mean, if anyone thinks it's going to be an easy, big old win for the Chargers after last week, this is a much better team than the Texans, and they can run it very, 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 very well. Yeah, this, this is a very difficult matchup for the Chargers defense, especially without Joey Bosa. So, I mean, it's, it's going to take, you know, we, we talked about this uh, a few weeks ago with, like, the other guys stepping up. Like, you're going to need Drew Tranquil to play a great game. You're going to need Alohi Gilman to play a good game in his reps. Um, Bryce Callahan, like, you know, looking at the run defense for the Chargers, you see one run stop from Nas. You see one from Derwin James. Like, there's just not a lot of production happening in the Chargers secondary. And this is a week where you have to be on top of it. So, um, you know, I don't want to get too much into, like, future needs and things like that. But, you know, I do want to see them get bigger in the slot, if you will. And maybe that's what Mark Webb was supposed to be for this team. But they just don't have a guy who can be kind of like that that bridge to the second and third level opposite of Derwin James. So obviously you have your, your linebackers, right? Derwin's on one side kind of behind them. On the right, on the other side, it's usually Bryce Callahan. And, and he's a really great cover slot corner for sure. But when you're putting Chris Rumpf and, and Bryce Callahan and Kenneth Murray and uh, Nasir Adderley all on the same side <laughs> against the Browns, it's going to be a big problem. Alrighty, I can get into my yeah, all right, cool. So with that, and based on what they were doing last week with the increased motion, at least in my opinion, I don't know if statistically that's any different, but to me, it seemed like they were. It's very you don't want to make mistakes against this Cleveland team. You don't want to make mistakes against any team, but in particular a team that can run really well and doesn't turn the ball over um, when they're throwing it. So I would lean into that wide receiver motion RPO play that they have, which they kind of seem to try to do a couple times this year. But really lean into it more last year. Last year, it was so simple, but they got so much out of it because there was so much they could do with that one look. I know people be like, oh, Lombardi's calling the same play again. But they got a lot out of this one particular look. 
and it worked. If you look at the Eagles game, it was there quite a bit, but it was there, you know, throughout the season. So if you got the you know the receiver motion, you could hand it off to it was Andre Roberts. Now it would be either DeAndre Carter or Josh Palmer. Um, you can throw it, you know, if Palmer's the guy motioning, throw it to him down the sideline off that motion. They tried that against the Chiefs, and Palmer just kind of stopped running. And that's why Justin Herbert seemed kind of upset because they had done that play before against the Eagles. And for some reason, Palmer just kind of lost what he was doing. Um, but you can hand it off to Austin Eckler there, of course. Um, they threw it backside screen to Steven Anderson last year. I suppose that could be Xander Horvath this year. Herbert could keep it. I don't know if he'll do that this game. Um, but this is your, you know, that deep over to Mike Williams. I think he did it against the Browns, like this exact play, mm-hmm. uh, but certainly against the Eagles, right? Herbert keeps it, RBO, rolls to his right, throws that deep over to Mike Williams or post or whatever he's running on that particular play. That's a big play for them. And of course, that fourth down touchdown or two-point conversion, I can't remember. Um, against Cincinnati, they ran this same thing. It was a very quick play to Keenan Allen. There's a lot they can do from that. What I'm trying to say is you have this concept that works. You're trying to keep your momentum as an offense. And you're also missing Keenan Allen, and you're still missing Rashawn Slater. I like Sawyer, but hey, you're still you're still missing Rashawn Slater. I like this concept for them. I feel like they tried to work in that motion a lot more last week. Let's keep building on that. Do what you've done well before, I think, in this particular play. Don't know what it's called. And keep going with that. And I think just keep it simple enough, but it works. Like You can take your shot from here you can throw a screen from here you can run from here you can take a shot down the sideline from this you know i think this is a very solid setup play for them and i think they're trying to get to at certain points now i feel like you trust your offense enough you've gathered enough momentum going i feel like eckler's kind of getting his groove back his groove back you do have a tight end and donna parham coming back that you trust lean into it because this team is going to like the, the browns are going to score they're going to run well they're not going to turn the ball over counter that with a really really solid play of your own that i think will work and has worked against the browns before yeah to your point they definitely ran more motion on sunday than they have in the past it 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 felt watching the tape back last night that palmer or carter were in motion on like every single play watching it in the first half um and, and they were definitely affected by it in a negative way in certain times like you know watching it live i didn't realize this but watching it on tape uh, you know, it felt like Josh Palmer kind of ran into Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler at the goal line, which kind of caused that near fumble. So um, they definitely were not used to that much uh, pre-snap motion. And I think that will kind of improve as they continue to workshop it. But um, it's a smart approach to me overall, man. You know, you're, you're creating mismatches and angles and confusion and misdirection uh for the defenses and when you're dealing with a a talent deficiency along the offensive line and again love jamari Sawyer, but he's not rashawn slater um you know that's what you have to do you have to you have to give your offensive line easy answers and i think they were able to do that a lot with uh the motion but they definitely have to kind of clean it up work on the timing and, and i'm sure that will improve throughout the season yeah and i think that the eagles game last year is a really good comp right kind of for this game because you do have the 2021 version of Jalen Hurts which was a more limited passer a guy who's not gonna like give the ball back to you a whole lot Uh, and Jacoby Brissett minus the rushing ability kind of is that and then you know the Browns rushing attack is like a ultra souped up version of what the Eagles ground game was last year so you know you're sort of sort of kind of trying to play the same game a little bit if you Chargers are kind of trying to counter that with you know pretty consistent RPO usage would like to see a lot of motion, especially when you should get a little bit more creative when Keenan Allen's not in the game and you just have to find uh, some of these solutions to some of the Browns 
defensive problems that they pose as well. So I definitely think that the use in RPOs should be up to where it was, you know, around the Eagles game last year. Yeah, I feel like it was trending in that direction uh, last week. And then, you know, I do feel like once they came out of halftime, it was like, okay, like we did our our pre-snap motion we did all of this stuff. Like we, we were creative. We made these adjustments. Okay, let's get back to what the game plan used to be like. And let's, you know, do these traditional passing concepts and do these traditional runs. And hey, uh, that Rashawn Slater guy, I know he's not out there, but let's let's test that out. Let's see where we're at. I'm like, okay, why are we not just doing what works? Um, so obviously I hope that, you know, that is something that continues this week. So, um, for me, I, I think just in general, like you're, you know, your defense is going to be in a tough spot. So for me, the key to, the key to victory is going to be the offense and special teams, you know, playing complementary football and not, you know, setting up the defense to fail. Um, and that's been something that's been a bit of an issue. And there have certainly been times, you know, like on Sunday where DeAndre Carter fumbles the kick return. And the defense held tough to a field goal, right? Like that, that's something that obviously the defense deserves credit for. But against this Browns rushing attack, you cannot give them extra possessions. You can't give them short fields. You can't, uh, you know, hang your defense out there for, you know, extended amounts of time against this rushing attack or else they'll just wear down. So, you know, against the Jaguars, that was, that was a huge thing, right? Like they could not sustain any drives in the first half. And the defense was fine in the first half. But when you're on the field for, you know, 75% of the first half, eventually your defense is just going to wear down. So um, I need the offense to be able to sustain drives. No quick three and outs this week, uh, or at least avoid it as much as possible. Don't make any mistakes on special teams and, and, and set this defense up to fail. Like you have to keep your defense. You know, I, I talked about this against the Jaguars, keeping the offense in a positive game script. This week, you have to keep the defense in a positive game, strip, game script and not, you know, give them these short fields and give them these extended drives as, as much as possible. So uh, I need a clean game from offense. I need a clean game from special teams and, you know, limit the Browns possessions as much as possible. Yep, right with you there. Obviously, on offense, I would love to see the same or a improved clean operation, even though they did much better last week. It's still not quite there. Things are just... A little bit off, but again, that changes, I think, and improves when personal comeback, even if not everyone's back. I mean, then on special teams, yeah, just, I mean, the Chargers are 26th, I believe, in special teams DVOA or 27th, um, which is, I believe, still an improvement. But when you're getting, you know, poor blocking and DeAndre Carter has 19 yards per return right now and you fumble the ball, it's just, it's just sloppy. You don't want to give teams any momentum to get back into the game. Um, assuming that the Browns are out of the game, but you don't want to, certainly want to give them, you know, an easy lead or easy points because if if the Browns get up, like they probably can't score more than thirty. Although they did against the Chargers last year, they probably won't score more than thirty. But if you start giving some easy points, and they start getting ahead, and there's a two-score lead, they can just sit on the run all day long, and things are just fine for them. So you cannot make it so easy for them to pick up points. Any other thoughts there, Alex? Uh, no. Steven, are you looking up the blitz rate right now? Yeah. 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 So the Chargers, uh, they are up higher than they used to be in blitz rate. This oh, was a okay. question uh, brought to us in the chat. Um, they're definitely blitzing a lot more frequently. Um, Pro Football Reference has them at 25.9%, uh, which is 12th in the league. So it's not necessarily super high in comparison to like years past. Again, blitzing kind of down across the league you know a lot of teams are trying to focus in on uh you know four-man rushes and dropping seven but 
Um, the Chargers have essentially been increasing their pressure, their their uh, blitz rate, I should say, um, by about 1% pretty much ever since week one. So last year was only around 18 19%, I want to say. Uh, so this year they're stopping the run at a, at a better level, not perfect, but um, you know they're able to get into some more designer looks. And I think uh, Kenneth Murray blitzing a lot more frequently as well. So uh, Chargers are 12th in the league in blitz, uh, blitz rate right now. What are the Colts at? <laughs> <laughs> the Colts are at the very bottom next to the Buffalo Bills. So that's how it should uh, be. <laughs> although for very different reasons, right? You know, the Bills yes. obviously very focused with I mean, you don't need to you don't need to blitz when you have Vaughn Miller and all those guys. So uh different reasoning for sure. Gotcha. Um, all right, we'll get now to some of our key matchups here uh in this one, and then we'll get to some bold predictions as well and uh mm-hmm. head out for the evening. So um Tyler, we'll start with you, man. What's your key matchup of the game? It has to be JC Jackson versus Amari Cooper. Not that that's exactly how it's going to be, but you know, I checked in and JC does not apparently look like his former self. And we've we expected that. We kind of knew that. We've even seen that. But it's still a bummer to hear that he's just not quite his old self. Now he is assuming that he practices the whole week. He will have this first kind of full week to really practice. He is a week removed or will be a week removed from actually playing against the Texans. I don't want to say there's no excuses now because I don't really know much about his particular situation, but he's running out of excuses. Like now he's been in the system and he's healthy and the wound or whatever you want to call it has mostly been figured out. And so you know, things haven't looked so great for him, but there's kind of a built in excuse. Now you do have to face Amari Cooper, who, like you said, isn't like an elite wide receiver one, but a solid wide receiver. And JC so far this year has been beaten by, quote unquote, you know, worse receivers so far. So this is a really big test. If JC doesn't you know, do so hot this week, I won't hit the panic button, but I will be very, very close to that, especially when they play the Broncos uh, on Monday Night Football next. So where I believe it's the Broncos, maybe it's the Seahawks. But um, yeah, that's the one I'm watching more than anything else. Not that I'm the most worried about their passing attack, right? But I want to see JC have at least a bounce back game, like a solid, you know, no big explosive play going his way, no big touchdown sort of game. Because you paid him a lot of money, not as much money as maybe people thought he would get, but you paid him a lot. He's your corner one. Some people are saying that, you know, Asante Samuel Jr. should follow Marty Cooper. They're not going to do that. Like they're not going to have Asante Samuel Jr. do that while you're paying someone seventeen million dollars a year um, to not follow, you know, the receiver. So, got to have a bounce back game. Got to be a big one this week. Yeah, and some people are are pointing out, you know, the the two big plays that JC has given up have technically been the fault of of Nasir Adderley, but it's not like JC has been in you know perfect position on either of those plays. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I could be patient, right? You know, he's only had one full practice in like the last two and a half months or whatever it is. Um, but we need to start seeing some some signs that this is, you know, old JC. And, you know, we're talking about a, a team that doesn't turn on the ball over a lot in the Browns. But, you know, this would be a great time for JC Jackson to get his first interception, man. And, you know, give the Chargers a short field. And, and uh, obviously he needs to bounce back in big way. I, I do ultimately think he'll be fine. But this is a game where he has to, you know, show some signs that he is JC still. Um, and for what it's worth, I do feel like he shadowed Nico Collins, which was not what I would have expected heading into the season or heading into that game. 
Um, but it felt like they were essentially kind of just tilting coverage towards Brandon Cooks, and they asked JC to go match up with Negro Collins pretty often. So it wasn't 100% of the time, but I definitely did notice him shadowing Nico Collins quite a bit on tape and, and watching live during the game. It felt like that too. Yeah. I mean, they, they just, they just need better performance out of JC. Like in general, if, if this season is going to work this year, I don't think the secondary works without it. You don't even necessarily need the level of JC that you got in new England per se, but just better than what we've seen so far and the constant entering and exiting the lineup, the inflammation, um, I think it's definitely something that has set him back, but they just they need that level from JC if they're going to be any kind of contender. I was actually going to go with a matchup on the other side of the ball for a wide receiver and cornerback, and that would be Denzel Ward on Mike Williams. Um, mm-hmm. We saw Mike Williams probably have his most consistent effort throughout the game uh, last year against the Texans, and he's going against a Denzel Ward who uh, had a big bounce back game against the Falcons. It's the Falcons um, offense, frankly, in terms of the wide receivers he's covering there and in terms of Marcus Mariota. So, I mean, it was definitely his best output of the season. But Denzel Ward, prior to that game uh, and still for the season, has a 30% missed tackle rate, um, which is a little bit unlike him, uh, and allowed a 158.3 passer rating against the Jets. Uh, and overall, in those three games prior to uh, the Falcons game, allowed 204 yards uh, in those three games as well, which is certainly not what you expect uh, of a Denzel Ward. Um, and so Mike Williams has obviously made no bones about it. He's not going to separate from Denzel Ward, right? It's going to be a lot of, <laughs> you know, beating him, you know, in those contested catch situations or, you know, having a quick slant or whatever it is. Um, I, I think that that's what they want to do with Mike Williams at this point. And that's what they've made clear. Uh, so I think that how Mike Williams does match up against him, obviously there's a built-in size advantage there with Mike being at 6'3", 6'4", uh, you know, Denzel Ward at around 5'11", right? So he does have that height advantage. And I'm just curious to see if Mike Williams can kind of take advantage of his physicality, take advantage of a Denzel Ward who's maybe in a little bit of a slump compared to where he's been at some points in his career. Um, and, and really continue making that a, uh, you know, but continue with where he was in the Texans game uh, and, and the Chiefs game a couple weeks ago and just continue with those consistent efforts while Keenan is out because they, they really do need it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, really quickly, uh, shout out to uh, Tyler's mom for the super sticker, as always. Um, I do think this is an important game for Mike Williams to be able to, again, kind of build some momentum from this week. And, um, you know, Denzel Ward is a really good corner. I know it hasn't shown so far this year, but, um, you know, Mark Emerson kind of coming into his own as well. Greg Newsom is, is a good player. So um, the the receiving core in general, I think this is a big matchup for them. I mean, potentially likely no Keenan Allen, right? Um, this is also a big game for Gerald Everett. This was one that I thought about bringing up because, I mean, you look at the profiles of who the Browns have. You're talking about Jeremiah, so Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. Anthony Walker, John Johnson, Grant Delpit, like these are all very good coverage players. And so uh, Gerald Everett has been very, very productive for this team, but he's also been kind of uh, feasting on some uh, lower level competition players. You're talking about Jonathan Owen from the Texans game last week, Um, you know, getting some matchups with some corners. So uh, I don't think he has a clear like advantage in this one, but I do think he has to show up. So I wanted to mention him. He's not my key matchup, though. Um, 
My key matchup is the right side of the Chargers offensive line versus whatever combination of defensive linemen the Browns have out there. Like, I think you're really starting to see some very positive signs in the run game, in the pass game, from mm-hmm. the combination of Zion Johnson and Trey Pipkins. And I, I know, like, it's really weird to, like, talk about Trey Pipkins in this way, but he legitimately has taken a step forward that we were all hoping for for the last several years. Like, he is playing at a really good level right now um, as a pass protector, as a run blocker. He's not perfect. He's not, you know, mm-hmm. people were asking me today, is he a top five right tackle? No, but he's <laughs> he's an above average right tackle right now. He's playing at a good level, and that's what we were all hoping for. So, um, last week against the Texans, the disparity in running the football between the left side of the line and the right side of the line could not have been more drastic. You know, running to the right side of the line, uh, the Chargers were gaining about 5.6 yards per carry. Um, their two touchdown runs from Austin Eckler were to the right side. Mm-hmm. They gained four runs of 10 yards or more running to the right side. And granted, some of the disparity is due to the running back that they were using to the left side. Yes. Uh, <laughs> wink, wink, Tony Michelle. Um, but still, I think the offensive line, it's clearly shifted, right? Like Zion and Trey Pipkins are the strength of the offensive line right now, as much as we all love Jamari Sawyer, but, um, the chargers need to lean into this man. Like they were destroying the Texans defensive front, the two of them. So, um, Zion and Trey Pipkins are playing at a really high level. If Clowney and Garrett are playing in this one, I think it provides a bigger test for really like where they're at. But you're looking at an interior defensive line of uh, Taven Bryan, who's kind of a pass rushing guy. His run stop percentage is 3.8 right now. I talked about Perrion Winfrey. Tommy Togiai, who was drafted from Ohio State, he's kind of a pass rusher as well. Um, you know, they, they don't really have a, a defensive tackle group that really like intimidates me so this is something this is a matchup where it's it's a positive thing for the chargers right but i need to see zion and trey pipkins continue to stack up these games and really uh, dominate this matchup because even if Clowney plays i think this is a matchup advantage for the chargers and i think they really need to go out and exploit this matchup with zion and trey pipkins versus Whoever is playing, if it's Alex Wright and, and Isaac Rochelle, they should just destroy <laughs> folks all game long. But uh, even if it's Jadavion Clowney, I still think this is a matchup advantage for the Chargers, which is crazy to talk about five weeks into the season. But that's how well Zion and Pipkins are playing right now. They deserve a lot of credit for what they've done the last few weeks. I love it. Things are just looking like they're gelling between those two guys. I have not watched the Texans game back, but you know, um, who is it? Brandon Thorne posts clips of the guys of Zion of the offensive line in general. It's so great to see them just working together. I'm assuming Corey Lindsay also helps that to some degree. Yeah. Just talking about the running game, I know you mentioned the right side, but I, I am curious with Jamari Sawyer in uh, at the left tackle and being a guy who A, isn't the most athletic and B, wasn't even the best run blocker in college. What did you see from him in the run? Like, is there, did it surprise you in a good way? It's about the same. Like, what did you kind of see from his first start? Yeah, so he definitely excelled as a pass protector. Like watching him as a pass protector was just like so much fun for me. Just tossing dudes around with his strike and it was just so calm, so poised. Um, the run blocking is a work in progress, but I don't feel like, again, I, I don't feel like they would they leaned into what Sawyer is good at. You know, they still try to do a lot of outside zone stuff. They still try to do some toss concepts. 
um, where you're not necessarily asking Sawyer to get out to the second level, but you're asking him to get on the move. And I just don't feel like that's his game. So anytime they're running to the right and he had to execute a cutoff block or a reach block, I felt like he was able to do that at a high level. There were a couple inside blocks to the left where he and uh, McKitty or he and Filer were executing combo blocks. I thought that he did really, really well there. Um, but, you know, they tried to like run the Slater stuff with Sawyer and that's just not who he is. That's not, that's not a fair thing to ask of him. Um, so I do think they have to kind of continue to adjust and workshop the run game in, in that department. Um, but I thought he was fine as a run blocker is, is really what I'm trying to say here. Good. Good to hear. All right. That's, uh, that's all the key matchups, right? Those all three. Yes. There we go. Um, all right. So I'll go first with my bold prediction here. Um, I was trying to decide this earlier in the show of which direction I would want to go with. Um, I think, no, that's too bold. Never mind. Somebody else go first. I can't decide. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. I'll mute myself. It, it's ahead. bold. It's bold predictions. There's nothing too bold. Go crazy. <laughs> I don't know why, but I, I feel like Kenneth Murray has just become like he's gotten really close to like getting some nice pass rush protection. Um, so I think we see multiple quarterback hits slash sacks from Kenneth Murray this week. Okay. Okay. All right. That could work. That could work. Not too bold. I mean, they're, they're using him like that. I don't know how many rushes he had per game, but the usage is weird. The, the plan for him as a run blitzer or whatever they're doing, Mm -hmm. not a fan of, they're taking him out of plays way too easily. Uh, But he's, he's an effective uh, pass blitzer at this point. I, I feel good about him you know, getting multiple quarterback hits. Nice. I'm going to go with, see, is it, it's it's not bold to say this. So I'll I'll go, I'll have to go with the bolder pick. Uh, Two interceptions for Asante Siamo Jr. Even though I just said, (laughs) does not turn the ball over. I feel like this is potentially this Chargers team, unlike maybe the Falcons or the Panthers, you know, the Browns, should have to throw it a little bit more at this game. Hopefully they don't just get to run it for fun the entire time. But um, yeah, I think uh, two for Santa Samo Jr. I think he's due. Yeah, uh, I, I think Asante Samuel Jr. is due. Um, he, he probably is like the most likely one weirdly to get to pick this game. Uh, I'm going to go with a bold prediction. Nick Chubb only wins one Nobel Prize against the Chargers <laughs> team. Um, no, but I do think in all seriousness, I think this is probably the best game that we're going to see from uh, Mike Williams for the season. I'm going to go 140 yards and two touchdowns. That would be huge. Uh, Chargers definitely need that. So uh, hard, hard to beat seven for 120, but um, you know, two touchdowns would certainly put him over the top there. 
Um, the prediction that I was gonna say that was like way too bold was about the run defense actually doing well, and then I was like, that's just not that, that's just uh, oh, I thought I thought I thought you were saying Kenneth Murray doing a couple things was your like bold prediction. <laughs> <laughs> Kenneth Murray will exist in a positive way, that's the bold prediction. Do we get Jerry Tillery back to back sack weeks? I mean, that that would be bold, that would be bold. Um, you know. I, that legitimately was probably the best rep that Jerry Tillery I, I've ever seen from him. Like, it was crazy. So, yeah. Highest, Tyler, what's highest up? What are you BFF looking at? grade of the week. I know. I saw people were mad about that, but it's like he had a strip sack and then another quarterback hit. Like, we should be excited about that. Like, he finally showed up and did something well, good. It was it was funny because, like, he had the highest PFF grade, and then Chargers fans, like, were like, PFF doesn't know shit. I'm like, wouldn't you want to give them the Charger the higher grade? <laughs> but because it's Jerry Tillery, <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. Tyler, what was the comment that you were just uh, responding to? Oh, just, uh, where is it? Somewhere in the chat that we should have been more patient with player development. Um, let alone, you know, n- never mind the fact that we've been praying to God that Jared Tilly would develop for four years. Um, <laughs> yeah, specifically Trey Pipkins, Kenneth Murray, and Mike Williams, which I think is interesting because Trey Pipkins was terrible, like literally bad statistically and on film for quite some time. And then, yeah. yes, he got it together. That's great. But I mean, they got nothing out of him for, for three years. Uh, Kenneth Murray was my breakout candidate. So I don't know what happened there. And then I don't I don't understand this thing that we should have waited for Mike Williams to develop. He's a first round pick. Like had to do a little bit more than what he did. He, whatever. He's already he's already developed. There's nothing to talk about. Like I don't I don't know what we're saying there. Um Yes, he's saying we should be more patient with Jerry Tillery. God damn it, you know what, Ryan? <laughs> I will be more patient with Jerry Tillery. More patient with Jerry Tillery. Oh, hey, what, so what? I have I have good news on the Jerry Tillery front. Uh, you have good news after, after three weeks his pass rush win rate was 2.8 percent two point oh wow oh hold on after that, week that's the new one no 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 after th- oh. after week three after week four it's gone up to 5.1 percent so let's so. go <laughs> tom telesco <laughs> s- slide him that five-year hundred million <laughs> fucking table like jesus <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. Uh, Kenneth Murray is being, he's okay. It's not like he has it all together. Like he, he's still a liability in coverage. He's been getting some poor decisions, but he's playing faster. He's, he's reacting more confidently is, is definitely something that I can say for sure. For sure. Alrighty. Oh no. Somebody had Jerry Tillery sign his rivers Jersey. Oh no. I got Jerry Tillery to sign my Philip Rivers jersey. Oh, oh man. Oh, that's that. I, I don't feel. I because feel you like... wanted Jerry Tillery to get better penetration. I got it. I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> got it. Didn't work. Good one. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't deserve to work with kids, but here I am. <laughs> oh my God, Tyler. In the zone today, man. In the zone today. I'm in the zone. Or whatever they say from White Men Can't Jump. There you go. White Men Can't Jump. Um, 
All right. So we, uh, I think that's going to do it for us today. Um, we'll be having, of course, our Chargers Analytics segment later on. Um, I will not be doing that live with Arjun. It's my anniversary on Thursday. So uh, we'll be elsewhere. Um, we'll have an interview with a Browns podcaster tomorrow. And then, uh, as always, we'll be going live Saturday morning to uh, wrap up our preview coverage and take some questions. And uh, yeah, should be a good week. Obviously, a lot more positive vibes this week after being the Texans. So, um, Alex, any uh, final thoughts before we head out for tonight? Uh, we we should re- be really patient with all the Chargers players, including like the ten draft picks this year who aren't on the field. So, um, you know, I think we should just keep waiting until nothing happens. <laughs> Very English, man, and he's going to pull it off one of these days. I swear to God, it's going to happen for us. Very English and Craig Mager. You know, it's so funny to me that, like, we have this, like, third this third round pick, just, like, bad juju, and then, like, Trey Pipkins is the one to, like, finally ascend to the player that we were all hoping for. Yeah, so let's go. Won't re-sign anybody else but Keenan Allen, and Trey Pipkins, like that—that's going to be <laughs> equally equally as good players. <laughs> yeah, what a world, man! What a world. Um, but yes, everybody, get get used to this world where Trey Pipkins is a good NFL player. So, um, been very excited to watch that development so far this year. Have never been happier to be wrong in my life. <laughs> so, as always, uh, appreciate everybody in the chat today. It's been a been a fun one. Um, appreciate all of the uh, positive feedback. Uh, would encourage anybody to leave us a rating or a view if you are listening to the audio version of this. And as always, bolt up. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.